and uh, actually, side note, um, and I don't know if this ends it on a uh, more less grim and dark note. I heard you mention mm. Reaganland, and uh, I was curious. I mean, you know, I want who knows if uh, he's working on Bushland, but um, what was better, Reaganland or Nixonland? Oh, good question. Because I've read three out of the four books. I'll put it this way. I think Reaganland is probably, it's hard because Reaganland was the first Pearlstein book I read and it was the one that I knew the least about um, because I, I really have never had a proper full-blown education on the political climate during the Carter years. Whereas with Nixonland, I mean, every, you know, so much of the countercultural stuff and the Vietnam War stuff that I already knew. But the way Nixon is presented in Nixonland, I think, is is markably, markedly better than how Reagan is presented in Reaganland, just because you get such a psyche on Richard Nixon and just how paranoid he was. And also just the fact that he he was so hard pressed to not even really think of himself as the president until before Watergate. Like he, he was like, I haven't had a real victory. Like he was so bent out of shape, despite the fact that he was a two term president. Third book. I haven't been interested in reading just because I, I have OD'd on Ronald Reagan. So there's a part of me that's like, I don't think I could do any more Reagan because he it's, there's so many Trump parallels and there's so much of it that's depressing and so much of it that I'm like, it's, it's nauseating when you know that this happened. And obviously that can be said about literally anybody from our history, but I will say the first book in the series, I don't know if it's overlooked, but I would argue there's something amazing about the first book before the storm in terms of if you had to decide Based on the time period we currently live in, which book is most important? I would say Reaganland, hands down. Especially now, with with what's developed with Roe. The fact that this was already three years after Roe had passed, and the the anti-abortion movement was so loud and so violent and so disturbing by the early years of the Carter administration— it's weird because we don't really see any of that kind of violence today. We're probably going to, sadly, and I, I don't want to predict that it will indeed happen because I just don't know. But also just the fact that you see how a president who's not a Republican, who followed a dirty trickster of a, pre of a, of a predecessor, had the ample opportunity to be really transformative in an FDR or LBJ kind of way, and Carter squandered it and just, you know, fiddle-farted around. And, I mean, the guy didn't have a chief of staff until late in his term. And he, the fact that he kept changing his lane in terms of what tone he wanted going into the 1980 primary, and also the fact that he was primaried by Ted Kennedy, and Car uh, Carter's response to that was, oh, I'm going to kick his ass. Say what now? You're the pacifist is going to do what to a Kennedy? You know, and meanwhile, there's Reagan on the other side of the road, you know, launching his campaign in the in the backyard of the Ku Klux Klan. 
and also not getting scrutinized because the media at that time overly scrutinized both the Ford and Carter administrations because Watergate was such a, a you know a ratings get and also a huge there was a huge uptick in subscribers for a lot of these publications. It was easy to understand why Reagan would get a free pass to the presidency. I actually was talking about it briefly to uh, prior guests and friend of the show and fellow Matador Ryan Perkins. You know, it's so going ahead, it's going to be easy to see why somebody like maybe Ron DeSantis could theoretically get a free pass up going up against Joe Biden or Joe Biden to run for reelection. But, you know, but again, that's getting into hypotheticals I'm not going to get into. But I know that was a very long answer to your question, and I apologize. But No worries. Um, I mean, kind of the reason I thought it because today I was angry at Clarence Thomas. And then, um, you know, I learned some American history today, and I saw that Reagan <laughs> uh, Reagan brought him up through, through the uh, equal, Oppor- equal Employment Opportunity Commission in the 80s, and that mm-hmm. uh, Clarence Thomas was a Reagan fan. And it's just like, you know, I think a lot, like for me, my knowledge of Clarence Thomas was just like, well, uh, I need a hill and Joe Biden. It's just like, well, <laughs> Reagan's part of the story too. So it got me thinking and you mentioned it. So just like politics, man, it's uh, it's all connected. Another, another good read that I'll mention that honestly deserves way more attention and love than I think it got 20 years ago when it was published. It's this great book by Nina J. Easton. At that time, she was, I think, a reporter for the L.A. Times, but she wrote this book called Gang of Five, and it was it, the book is focused on five pivotal figures in the conservative movement during the 90s. Um, and if I remember correctly, those figures were Clint Bollock. I believe he was the guy out of, out of all of them. He was the one with the libertarian legal background and was very, very close to Clarence Thomas, which a lot of that is very, very revealing. Um, Bill Crystal, who mm. people know probably from the defunct Weekly Standard, he's also a beloved never Trumper amongst Democrats. Ralph Reed, who you know, cr- cr- uh, Christian fundamentalist, who at one point in time hated Jerry Falwell, and then was going up against Christopher Hitchens when Falwell died, and Hitchens said on Fox News that. Um, if you gave Jerry Falwell's body an enema, he could be buried inside a matchbox. Uh, who else was in it? There's. <laughs> then you've also got David McIntosh, who was a congressman, and he's kind of the least focused on figure in this book. He was basically the cheerleader for going up against regulation of, of any kind. And then the other notorious guy that i was just blanking on grover norquist um who is you know the the anti-tax activist and leader of the so-called vast right-wing conspiracy it's it's an amazing book i highly recommend people check it out again ignored when it came out and i would argue in the times that we live in and especially for all the know your enemy listeners out there i know this is one of those books that if you like that show, you love this book just because it, it's so revealing on all of these guys and what they were doing from the 60s all the way up until the election of 2000. 
but yes, to go back to your question, yeah, the, those three Pearlstein books are phenomenal in their own great ways, but I think the most important has to be Reagan Land. It's also, I mean, it's it's kind of, it's my favorite just because it's it's the first one I read. It is also the longest, so if you're planning on getting into it, get ready to devote possibly three or four months of your time. And there's a lot in it. There's a lot, a lot, a lot in it. So from just, oh, so much. 